malo. Ay. My God. Oh, do you know him as a, a way maker? Do you know him as a miracle worker? Do you know him as your light in the darkness? Waymaker, miracle worker, my God, light in the darkness. I hear you. That is, that's him. <laughs> None of it means anything if you can't, if you can't say the third line. He can be a way maker. He can be a miracle worker. But if you don't call him my God. <laughs> yeah, he got to be your God. Doesn't stop him from doing those other things, but it makes it all so personal when you can say he's my God. Yeah. Light in the darkness. My goodness. Amen. Bless you, dog. Yeah. Bless you. Let's bless the Lord today for Reg and T and for Christian on that solo in the middle. I heard you that, dog. Yes, sir. That was my God. That was praise on the drums. That was little drummer boy personified. We heard all of you. Yeah. Thank y'all for making it feel like a choir in here anyway. I appreciate it. That's a blessing. 72 Sundays and still going strong. Y'all have missed a beat. Literally. Yeah, amen. I don't think people realize how hard it is. I don't think they understand that some Sundays you come in and you got a case of the twisties. But you keep on going. Anyway, you still, you get on the apparatus and you keep on going. And people think that, think that just happens in the Olympics that folk pull back. But everybody gets a case of the twisties in some form or another. You don't know up from down. That's what she said it is, isn't it? Yeah. They're giving that girl, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Olympics. Everybody want to give a 24-year-old girl a hard time because she's on the largest stage in the world and she had a case of the nerves. Well, God bless her for being honest enough to admit that. God bless her for being honest enough to say, if I get up there, I'm going to mess up, and that's going to mess up all my teammates. And so instead of doing that, I'll take the personal ramifications that come with it so my teammates can win. I say that's a shouting moment for somebody. And they did win. They won the silver medal when they would not have won anything at all if she had kept going. Yeah, that was a level of maturity. She's going to be all right. Now they all are going to be all right. I thought it was a wonderful week for us in terms of celebrating what the United States can do in that arena. Yeah, I was glad to see the young lady from the Hmong community win the overall gymnast award. 
there are communities of people out there who have been oppressed forever that we don't even think about. The Hmong community, that Asian community is one of them. One of the commentators said, this means a lot to America, but to the Hmong people who have never gotten anything but stepped on, mistreated, berated, this means so much more. It's not just black people who have been mistreated. Most people of color have struggled in this world. We've struggled in this country mightily, but there's a whole big world out, out there beside the United States of America. So God bless them all and what they're doing. God keep them all. I'm not worried about the prima donnas and all those other sports. I'm not, I'm not worried about the men's basketball team. Them boys millionaires anyway. They win or not, God bless them. I'm talking about the ones who have spent their life on a worthy achievement. <clears throat> not just for another trophy on their case. I'm talking about them. I don't know, maybe I see myself in them a little bit. Always striving to do something, trying to be the best you can be. Taking what the world gives you and then trying to make lemonade out of the lemons that have been chopped up for you. I believe there's somebody out there who understands what I'm talking about. And I'm so glad along the way that someone introduced me to a God who loves me. One who made all of it possible even when I wasn't, wasn't aware of what was going on. In fact, he loves me, and it's a God, it's a God kind of love, not a human kind of love. It's a, lot, a love that goes on in spite of. Honestly, it's a love that I just don't understand. I saw a couple of stars a few years ago. They went and got tattoos in each other's blood. And I said, well, now that's really different and weird. But they said they did that as an expression of love to one another. That's a love, a love kind of love I don't understand. And I said, that has to be all over the place. A level of love I just don't understand. And so the sermon today, New Thoughts from the Old Testament, centers on that concept of, of love, comes from Hosea, chapter 1. Some of you may be familiar with the storyline there. Hosea. Some people say Hosea, but it's Hosea, chapter 1. I want to read some of the verses in your hearing and then see if we can lift a central thought from it. The Lord spoke his word to Hosea, son of Beery, during the time that Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. And Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king of Israel. And the Lord said, when the Lord began speaking through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go and marry an unfaithful woman and have unfaithful children because the people in this country have been completely unfaithful to the Lord. Verse 3, so Hosea, Hosea, Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Hosea's son. The Lord said to Hosea, name him Jezreel, because soon I will punish the family of Jehu for the people they killed in Jezreel. In the future, I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel 
and break the power of Israel's army in the valley of Jezreel. And Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name her Lo-Ruhamah, because I will not pity, and her name means no mercy, I will not pity Israel anymore, nor will I forgive them. But I will show pity to the people of, Ju of Judah. I will save them, but not by using bows or swords, horses or horsemen or weapons of war. I will, I, the Lord their God, will save them. Yeah, not by using the common imagery of war, no swords. Yeah, no horsemen, no weapons of war. He wanted to make it clear, it's not by your hand, it's by my hand. The Lord your God will save them. And verse 8 says, And Gomer had stopped nursing Lorohamah, and she became pregnant yet again and gave birth to another son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami, because you are not my people, and I am not your God. But the number of the Israelites will become like the grains of sand of the sea which no one can measure or count. And they were called, you are not my people, but later they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and Israel will join together again and will choose one leader for themselves. And they will come up from the land because the day of Jezreel will, truly, will be truly great. First 10, 11 verses of that, of that chapter, the 11 verses of that chapter. I want to talk to you just a little while about a love you don't understand, a love you don't, you don't understand, a love you do not, you do not understand. It's been said that when God saved us, he took the greatest risk in the world. Because the truth is, the investment he made in us came along with the risk that we might not love him back. And God bringing us into a relationship with him is something that we can't fully understand because we really don't know the full depth of all that he did in order to bring us. And when you undervalue something, it usually shows. God is a God of relationship. He wants to be a part of our lives on a daily basis. How many of y'all know that he wants to know you every day? He wants to be with you every day. And it's his desire, God's desire, to bring me and you into a relationship with him. Can you have a one-sided relationship? Can I love you without you loving me? songwriters told us for a while now in our common context, it's so good. Loving somebody when somebody loves you back. Yeah, and then he breaks it down. He said, I'm not talking about a percentage of love. Yeah, I think he got it wrong in the song because he, he said he's talking about not 50-50. I'm talking about 100-100. I want you to love me as much as I love you. And God has loved us immeasurably. He's been faithful in keeping all of his end of the relationship since it started. The problem hasn't been with God. 
problem has always been with us in upholding our end of the bargain. And because we are, let's use this word, we are sometimes people. We are. We have our own ways of doing things. We are unfaithful, to say the least. And the truth is, God, our Savior and our Redeemer, in spite of our shortcomings, shortcomings, has looked beyond our faults and has supplied our needs. He's continued to love us. But nowhere in Scripture will you find a more exemplary, a, uh, exemplary form of God's love than in the book of Hosea. Nowhere do you see an example made any clearer. And according to the critical scholarship that goes into this book, Hosea is an autobiographical sketch. So it's actually written by Hosea and about Hosea. It's an interesting story, very interesting story, because it makes it very clear. I don't know that there's any ambiguity about how God's love is exemplified for his people throughout all eternity and time. He simply uses the imagery of a marriage between a man and a woman, between a prophet, and watch this, and a prostitute. Now, those aren't supposed to go in the same conversation. But God uses that imagery to tell the story. You find out very quickly that God wants his man, the one he chose, the one he selected, the one he ordained, wants his man to marry a prostitute. And the, the prostitute, the harlot's name at the time, they called harlot, the harlot's name is Gomer. Hosea is the man of God. And she is far from the one who would choose a man of God. Hosea represents God in the story. And Gomer represents and depicts the people of God who have a wicked tendency to stray and be unfaithful to him and consistently reject the love that he has for us. Oh, the imagery is, is clear. We got a pattern of a woman who has a life of loose living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only does she have a pattern of loose living, she has shallow understanding and does not understand the value or even know what love is all about. No, 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 no. But despite all that, God instructs his prophet, Hosea, to marry her. Marry this prostitute in the hopes that his marriage, his union to her, will pull her out of her old ways. That's the expectation. But to his dismay, to his disappointment, to his despair, and to add insult to injury, his already miserable situation gets worse. Yeah, it gets worse. One would say, how can it get worse to marry a prostitute in the first place? Oh, the story is clear that it gets worse. Yeah, she, after being married to the most respectable man in town, can't get out of her old ways, y'all. Yeah, yeah, no, she can't let that old lifestyle go. In other words, she, she still comes home late. She's still waking up in strange, unfamiliar places. 
still favors other lovers and runs after other men. She's still selling her body and giving herself to men for money. She's still doing these things. This is, this is, this is after the I do's. This is after the public pronouncement that you're married to Reverend Deacon Doctor. You are absolutely still doing what you were doing, and it was bad enough that you were doing it beforehand, but here you are now doing it after you married him. So not only are you, you embarrassing yourself, you're also embarrassing the man of God. She performs any favor you think of and makes a living. Watch this now. Her body is her living. Bodies are living. And then we see in Scripture the other side. She's still doing what she was doing in the only worse. It's perverse. But what does Hosea do? What does he do? What's his response to her? It's amazing. He doesn't have his lawyer draw up any papers. No, no, he doesn't call Goldberg, 100, 800, 6014. He doesn't call them. He doesn't call Alex and tell Alex, Shannara, he, he didn't call me. No, he didn't respond to that. He doesn't do that. He didn't call any of the myriad of fine lawyers who are in town to be able to resolve or dissolve the relationship. He doesn't hire a private detective to go follow her. He doesn't beat her. No, this ain't no color purple scene. He doesn't abuse her. But the prophet, Hosea, instructed by the Lord to marry a prostitute, goes after her. Watch this now. Nurses her. Buys her out of men's beds. Somebody ought to hear me. Yeah, the man just paid for her attention. The preacher comes in and gives him his money back to get her out of his bed. Why? Because he loves her. Over and over and over and over again, the preacher does this. The prophet is faithful to his commitment in the marriage. Now by our current way of thinking, Somebody out there got to agree with me. You got to say with me, this is just a love I, I don't understand. This, this is just the kind of love I, I, it doesn't compute. I don't understand this kind, of, this kind of love. Yeah, I know I'm not the only one. Now, before you get too far down on your religious red carpet, before you pull out your sanctified scalpels, on Goma and point your pious finger at her. I know you're saying right now, how can this woman be so unfaithful to this husband who loves her like that? I want you to be careful for you beat down on Goma the prostitute so badly. Let me take this opportunity right now. Let me step out here on this ledge and tell you right now that you need to be careful because I believe my premise is there's a little Goma in all of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see, from time to time, you too pause in your principles. Yeah, you don't exactly do what you say you're going to do in your relationship with the Lord. You also misplace your mission 
for the Lord and your morals can be kind of slippery sometimes when you want them to. You also compromise your convictions for whatever you determine you need to, you settle for whatever is suitable and you contradict your calling every, every now and then. Watch this now. Be careful because I believe every now and then you may even prostitute your priorities. So don't pull the knife out on Goma and tell Goma she's the only one who's being unfaithful in a relationship. You might not be called a call girl, a street walker, late of the night, lady mama, lady scarlet woman, or not even a sawdust, but you too are involved in a love affair you just don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's make it pretty for you. You still try to get every loophole you can on your taxes, but you don't call that cheating. Yeah, you throw rocks and hide your hand. Yeah, I ain't waiting on no amens. You disrespect your elders and your spiritual leaders. You cheat, you lie in areas that you might call okay. Yeah. And let me ask you this now. If you can't say uh, inwardly amen, do you steal from God? Do, do you? Do you steal from God? Well, let me make it plain for you. God instructed Malachi to write to the people and say, you are cursed with the curse because you have robbed me. Yeah, yeah. Do you misuse and abuse your body? If you belong to him, your body doesn't belong to you. Somebody ought to say amen, Reverend. You, you, yeah. If you belong to him, your body doesn't belong to you. Watch this now. I'm struggling. I'm struggling too. Yeah. I let the, I let the temple get towed down too. Yeah. This is not just people always think sexually. It's not just sexually. Yeah. We don't take care of ourselves the way we ought to take care of ourselves. We, we destroy the temple in, in, in bite-sized portions sometimes. Yeah. Temple is supposed to be used as a vessel of honor. And yet we don't always treat that way. And are you running after the things of this world that, that really won't get you anything, but you spend an inordinate amount of time trying to obtain them? We're told in Scripture to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So before you look at Goma, as a prostitute, at least be willing to explore the notion that there may be just a little bit of Goma in you too. Galatians 3 and 22 says, the scripture has confirmed that we are all under sin. 1 John 1 and 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, then we lie to ourselves and the truth ain't in us. Ecclesiastes says, there's not a just man in the earth that does not that does good and does not sin, just doesn't exist. Webster's dictionary defines a prostitute in two ways. Watch this. First, says one who solicits and accepts payment for sexual intercourse. That's one definition. But there's a second definition that probably hits closer to home in this modern context, and that is one who sells his abilities or name to an unworthy cause. Wow. Yeah. One who allows his giftedness to be used in a way that's not befitting 
anything wholesome or kingdom building. According to Webster, meets the definition of prostitution. We only think about it from a bodily context. How about from an intellectual context? How about from an educational context? You too can be prostituted and perhaps sell yourselves in that way more often than not. So if you look at the definition literally, I'm sure some of us can see a little bit of us in, those, in that definition. I know perhaps not the first, but the second one. That's some Goma in you. No matter how long you've been going to church, you got a tendency to break your commitment to the Lord. And when you break your commitment to him, you literally break his heart. Yeah. That's why we are all, I heard someone say, unqualified to judge other people in their relationships and what they do. Truth of the matter is we all struggle in that way. You got to remember now that God is, he's dynamic, and that's why every opportunity that he can make available to you, he does. And so you ought to, dis- you ought to thank him for blessing you despite you if you got enough maturity about yourself. Yeah. Some of us have settled into that old pattern of thinking that I worked hard, I deserve this. And I can tell you right now that somebody was riding right with you, doing the same thing you were doing and still didn't get the same come up you have. God has been good to you. And if you don't know enough to look over and thank him and not yourself, then you're struggling already. Yeah, you haven't been too good or too righteous. You haven't worked hard enough. Yeah, you haven't done any of the things that make you deserving of the blessing you got. Wipe that out of your memory. It's only because he's loved you that you've been able to obtain these things. You ought to thank God for blessing you despite the goma in you, for coming and getting you out of situation you got yourself in. You ought to thank him. Yeah, God brought you here today to, 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 to tell you, for me to tell you that even things been going wrong when you messed up, he still has blessed you. Yeah, some of you have committed fatal errors in your judgment and God has bought you out of those situations. Fatal errors. In fact, if you had simply gotten the consequence of your own decision, you would be in ruins. And then there was a light. And God granted something. He made a way out of seemingly no way. Yeah, God the only one that can put a door in a wall. Yeah, he, he's the only one that can do that. He can put a door in a wall. You put yourself in an awful situation, and he opened a door for you where there was no door. Yeah, and he's going to keep on loving you. Why? Because it's a love you just don't understand. Now, 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 in this story of this man, God has Hosea on assignment. And he gives him an unthinkable request. Unthinkable. I mean, just put it into your, into your psyche. Listen, man of God, man who has kept himself wholesome, man who has lived as righteously as he knows how to, man who has kept himself unsullied as much as he can from this world, one who has set himself apart, one who strives to do right all day, every day. I want you to take all of these years of righteous living and I want you to position yourself and go down to the corner. Go down to the corner. They call, they call Hosea the sandwich board prophet. 
the sandwich board prophet, you know the sandwich board person, they, those are the ones that walk down the street with the signs on the front and the back, with the message on that. That's how much he displayed his love for the Lord. Wherever he went, going and coming, you could tell he was God's man. He was a sandwich board prophet. Guess what? And folk hated to see him coming because he was a mirror too. A mirror to their own unrighteousness. That's what kind of man he was. His character was such that he drove folk to examine themselves. And he said, you, Jose, I want you to take a wife. Now that had to probably thrill Jose. Yes, sir, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to do exactly what you want me to do. I hear you, Lord. And so he starts looking around the usher board. The usher's ministry for the, you know, one of them single women in the usher's ministry. And say, I, I don't see which one he's talking about. And then he, he scans the choir to see which one of those wonderful women in the choir might be eligible for him. Uh, yeah, and then, and then he goes down, he goes down and says, I don't see nobody on the usher's ministry and I don't see nobody in the choir. And, and, and he says, well, maybe, maybe, maybe she one of the mission women. Let me see. And he said, no, no, I want you to step out the church. And I want you to go down to the corner of 4th Avenue. And you're going to find somebody down there. She's going to be standing on the corner with some fishnet pantyhose on. And they're going to be towed up. And she's going to have on a, a red dress. And, and her hair going to be towed up. And, 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 and she's going to be standing there. And everybody's going to be whistling and hollering at her. And that's the one. That's the one I want you to go get right there. Yeah. Now you got to know that the man in Hosea had to be saying, come on now. Yeah. I want you to go and ask her to be your wife. And any man's notion that would say does not compute. How in the world you want me to take all you've been blessing me with and you want me, but yet He's obedient. I want you to hear me. That's a love you don't understand. He loves God enough to think that God, while it might be strange what he's asking me to do, God doesn't make any mistake. And so he, he's faithful. He goes to the corner. And she probably shimmies up to him because here comes another proposition. And he clean. He looked like he might have some. Let me come talk to him. And he says, I don't want to just buy you for a moment. Y'all don't hear me now. He tells her, I want to buy you for a lifetime. I want you to come home with me. And she thinks it's just a line, y'all. So she says, okay, as long as you got money, you got me. She doesn't even pay attention when he marries her. She doesn't even pay attention to the total commitment he is focused on because she thinks he's just another mark. She doesn't understand. That's how we treat God sometimes. Just like another somebody we can go to to get some money. You treat, no, 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 watch this. You treat him like an ATM. He's just somebody to get you out of trouble. He's just somebody when you can't call nobody else to call on. He's not your first choice. Yeah, you already got God wrong if he's your, if he's your choice of last resort. Because he's God. He's Jehovah. He deserves to be first in everything. Not when you can't find another man or woman to get you out of a situation. He's supposed to be the one you go to from the beginning to keep you out of the situation or to guide you through it.
Goma had been accustomed to being hit on. She had been propositioned, and so it wasn't unusual. You need to know that when God comes after you, he comes after you sometimes in a way that you've never been offered, just like with her. Nobody ever come to her and told her she was worth marrying. That wasn't a conversation she had. But you and I the same way. Before God came to us, we were used to short-term encounters with folk. Oh, yeah. But God has told us that he's into it for the long haul, for eternity. What he's promised to give us will last forever. He's brought us the supportive things that go with that, like joy and peace and stability in our life. Goma had never known that. Israel had never known that in its existence, aside from being with God. And yet they were willing to sell it short. Now watch this now. Goma wasn't used to being held accountable, though. This is the problem. No, no, no. This is the problem. You see, even though Hosea took her home, gave her something that she'd never had before. She'd never lived life. Life had just kind of taken her. And here she has things she's never had before. She got a house. She used to hotel rooms or tents or behind a building or whatever, wherever somebody would take her. She's not used to having dishes. No, no. A bed that she can call her own, that she doesn't have to leave. Nobody's coming in to her. And because she wasn't used to it, and she had a place that she could almost hide from her reputation, nobody has to come up into your house. But she's not used to this. And because when you're not used to something, you don't know how to treat it. Yeah, that's why it's difficult for people to understand the love of God because it's so fulfilling, it's so complete that we don't know how to put it into our consciousness that there is nothing I can do that can separate me from the love of God. We don't understand that. We still think we have done something so awful that God can't possibly love us and he's telling us over and over again, there's nothing you can do that can separate me. But because I do not understand that, I'm still trying to live in my old situation because I still don't feel worthy of it. Still trying to put in my psyche, it's amazing that somebody as wonderful as you. I'm sure Goma would sit at the table sometime and just look at Jose as he was over there studying and say, why is he not asking me for something? This is going to change at any moment. He's cooking dinner for me because I never really learned how to cook a meal like that. I, and he takes care of me. He doesn't want anything. From, it does not compute sometimes when you find yourself doing so well. God has been so good to you. It doesn't compute that God simply loves you and wants the best for you. You think at any moment you're afraid. Fear that it's going to stop at any moment. But God specializes in qualifying people who are unqualified. He specializes in calling the outcast people, not the people who are sitting in the favorite seat, but the ones on the outside of the circle. That's who God calls, and he brings them in and makes them the favorite. And so if you ever felt like the one on the outside of the circle, you're in luck today because that's who God looks at. People who don't want who feel like they're not wanted. Yeah, that's God's, that's God's recruitment place. 
He comes to get you. He recycles people who've been thrown away by other folk. That's God. When I was in the Army, one of my regular activities was to, uh, during the day, at lunchtime, I would always leave the office and go to the PX. I was stationed at two military installations. One was Fort McClellan, and one was Fort Polk, Louisiana. And this was a pattern I had at both of them. I would leave my office for the period of time for the lunch break, go to the local PX. The PX was the post exchange, which is, which is, which is like the mall, it's like Walmart on post. And I'd go there, and I would simply walk through to clear my head. And this is an interesting thing as you walk through. I discovered it was a good way to find things that, that I could purchase, uh, line up for purchase. Um, sometimes they might be too expensive, Reg, when I first see them, and I put my eye on it and say, I'm going to come back and check this out in a month or so and see what the deal is on it. And lo and behold, they, after a while, I discovered that they would be marking stuff down. And so <clears throat> found a good way to learn how to shop like that. So I bought this CD player that I'd had my eye on for a while. And when I looked at the back of it, the CD player, I found three stickers on it. Three stickers. The first one said, damaged. Then the second sticker said, restored. And then the third sticker said, good. Damaged, restored, and then good. And that's a great example of how God looks at us how he deals with each one of us spiritually. Because at some point in all of our history, each one of us was damaged. Yeah, we've been towed up. Somebody dropped us. Oh, yeah. And, and now we don't function properly anymore. Uh, somebody didn't close us right. <laughs> we just messed up for some reason. We've been damaged. Don't function the way we should function from the manufacturers. We are damaged. The way God put us here to operate, it doesn't work because of something in this environment that has messed us up. We're damaged. But then God took me, the damaged me, and he saw some potential in me. And so he started working on me. Yeah. Watch this. Can I tell you this? When you're damaged, you know you're damaged. You are. You know you're damaged. You know you're not functioning right. And if you don't, people will let you know soon enough that something's not working right with you because you're not able to maintain regular relationships because you're damaged. And until you can get that resolved, things aren't going to go as well as you think they are. And I was damaged. But God saw that potential, and he bought me. And he started to work on me. And he worked on me until it reached a point where I was restored and was operating in a manner that, that, that he thought was appropriate. I could be used by him. I'm restored. And then after the restoration, after God allowed me to be used in the way, he looked at me and he picked me up, and somehow he determined that I was fit to not only be restored, but to convey a message from him. So I was good enough, God's outside, to be used. He looked at me and said, I'm, I'm good. I was damaged by the world. 
because I still let the world use me. But God purchased me through his son's blood. I, I hope you hear me now. And he turned me around and turned something that was damaged into a treasure. And now life has marked me restored and has marked me good. God loves me in a way that Jose loved Goma. Throughout all my problems, he's been loving me. It's unthinkable that God would look at me. I know you think that sometimes that you, you, don't, you don't feel lovable. But that's exactly why God instructed Hosea to write this. Because if he can take someone who is on the outside of society and make them the apple of his eye, then surely he can bless you despite the circumstances you have found yourself in. You think that nobody wants you. You think that, 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 that somebody's still looking down on you, but you're only looking at it from the perspective of what man can give you, not what God can give you. And I came to tell you right now that God can restore you and your way of thinking about yourself. And when he marries, when he marries Goma, Goma is still unfaithful in the relationship because she's not used to nobody treating her like that. And I came to tell you today that the prophet Jose made a commitment. God is telling you that when I make you mine, you're mine all the way. It doesn't matter how raggedy things get, you're mine. You're mine. For the first time, you can have stability in your life. Just don't go back tipping the other way. Be strong enough to follow this love I have for you. Gomer's saying, how can I have it all? I feel so unworthy. He makes you worthy. He restores you to a state of worthiness. But it doesn't matter if you're worthy and don't feel it. You've got to learn how to pray and accept what God has given to you. And that's what people struggle right now, Karen. Yeah, God's been blessing them, and they still feel like it's a tree. That God is not taking care of them. That it's a, that, but they don't understand that God only wants good for you. The question is, can you accept it? I've been using Goma's name, but you can insert your name in it. Yeah, God has been blessing you and loving you and taking care of you. The problem was, and here we go, and I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to say this to you. The reason why she couldn't accept it is because she was still being controlled by her pimp. Oh, yeah. Still being controlled by a pimp. The truth is, I wonder, what would cause you to have everything sitting there at your disposal? God has blessed you with all things good, and yet you get up in the middle of the night and leave that and go back to your old way of life, and that's because your old pimp is calling you. You're still being controlled by your old way of life. I came to tell you today, yeah, the, the, now, now what's the pimp? The, you know, what's the pimp? Clearly we're not talking about uh, Antonio Fargas or one of them boys on the show like that. Ain't nobody walking down the street with no goldfish and no platform. I'm not talking about them kind of pimps. No, no, I'm not talking about Huggy Bear. No, 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 I'm not talking about those boys. Yeah, from Beretta. I'm talking about the pimp that's in your life. The pimp is anything in your life that has so much control on you that although you got everything you need, you still getting called by that in the back, by that in your past, and you run to it to live to it. That's the pimp that's in your life. Yeah, still bound by your past 
and your past is still manipulating your future. When the pimp call, you still sneak out. Don't want to tell nobody you live in that lifestyle. That's the pimp that's in your life. When the pimp call, you, calls, you lose all sense of reason. When the pimp calls, you forget how far you've come. When the pimp calls, you relapse. When the pimp calls, you go back to the things that you thought you had broken away from. When the pimp calls, you go hang out with folks who hang out with pimps. When the pimp calls. And that's how we do God. God brings us all away. Some of us allow the enemy to pimp us. Although we love God and we enter into a relationship with him, when we come to the altar, we shout, we cry, we whine, we let everybody know, we raise holy hands, and we use them same hands to go hug the pimp. Yeah, the pimp. You forget all about your love. How is it that you can do what you want to do and how, tell everybody how much you love God, but when the pimp calls, you unfaithful in your relationship with God? How do you do that? So my question to you is who or what is pimping you? What is it so strong in your life that it takes priority over your relationship with the Lord? Watch this now. Walk with me. Be honest enough to admit it. What is it in your life? What's his name? What's her name? What's the organization's name? What's the athletic event's name? What's the, what's the club's name? What's the chronic's name? What's the job's name that calls and you come? Or maybe you've made a god out of time itself. You put time over the Lord. You've made it your own idol. Say, it's my time and I can do what I want to do with it. Maybe that's what you've done. What is it? What is it so strong that it takes priority over your relationship and your, watch this now, responsibility to God? What's pimping you? What's pimping you when it happens? Goma, the love of his life is unfaithful. She strays. She breaks his heart. When you do it, guess what you do? You break God's heart every time. Just like Goma, you break his heart. How can it not break his heart? He's doing everything he can for you and to you. After all his investments in you, don't act like you don't know what God has done for you. Look around. Don't act like you did it for yourself. Stop fooling yourself thinking that you were the one who got you through all that. Stop being silly and, and letting that come out of your mouth talking about you the only one that worked hard. You couldn't work hard enough. If it had been up to you, you never would have made it. You forget the other side of the coin. Yeah, you achieved, but how did you get there? Only by the grace of God. Yeah, we talk about these stages we walk across and get these degrees, but we don't tell the other side of the story. We don't tell the test we never studied for and passed anyway. No, we don't tell the folk who paid the tuition that we never even turn around and thank for. We don't talk about that. And then we say, I made it. Yeah, yeah, you need to take the first word, take I out and put we in there. We made it. We struggle all the time and giving credit where credit is due. All the gifts that God has put in you, you're still a pew member. Breaking God's heart. I gave you the ability to lead everything in the world, and yet the only thing you do is lead yourself. God is struggling 
with that all the ways he's made for you, you're still too busy to tell him thank you. Every job I gave you, you don't even have enough to give me 10% back. Every raise you get, every cost of living, every stimulus I send your way, and you still don't stimulate me none. All the things I blessed you with, and now you're too sophisticated to let anybody know that I'm in your life. You don't want nobody to know you that holy. And yet you all call on me like I was the only thing in existence at one time. And now you got down the road and don't know me. You keep breaking my heart. Somebody in here has been acting like Goma, and you need to start showing God some love. Yeah. You shouldn't leave today without correcting the record and letting him know that I'm going to get it right today. Today is my day. I'm tired of being unfaithful to him. I want him to know that I love him. I'm tired of leaving here Sunday after Sunday the same way, like he's like I'm his side chick or his side dude. No, he's my main guy. He's tired of acting that way. If nobody else is going to give him glory in here, it's going to be me. If nobody else is going to do for him, it's going to be me. I'm not expecting anybody else to do what he's given me the ability to do, and I'll do it until the day I die. I'm going to show up and tell him thank you. You mean to tell me that a holy God will let a prophet marry an unholy woman? You mean to tell me that that holy God will tell him to be in that relationship with her, make a public spectacle of him? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's exactly what he's done. And then he told, when you have children, name the children so that folk know you've been unfaithful to them. Oh, yeah. And you keep going back and forth between me and your pimp. Why would a God like that do that? And that's because it's a love you just, you don't understand. It's called unconditional redemption. That's why he loved her. Unconditional. See, our love is measured by condition. Yeah, our love clocks in late and leaves early. That's how our love is. Our love comes asking what's in it for me. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, when we had nothing to offer God, he came and he blessed us and he rescued us. He loved me when I was still in my lover's arms. He came and rescued me from the hand of the enemy. Loved me while I was still dipping, sipping, and tipping. He loved me then. And why are you bringing all this up? It's because every day I've been, he says, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. I want you to be a part of my life. I was looking for you when you were out there looking for something else. When I was just a convenience to you. I, I, was, I was looking for you. I put you through all the situations to put you in the position you're in right now. Yeah, it wasn't no scholarship. It was the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't that smart. It was the Lord. <laughs> you ain't that cute. <laughs> it was the Lord. Yeah, you ain't that fine. It was the Lord <laughs> taking care of you. He letting you know all them things that you've been thinking was you. It was me. That was somebody cuter, finer, smarter. And yet I made it possible for you to get there. God says, I've been patient with you now. I never gave up on you. You've been treating me like you don't know me. Don't even wave at me on the street no more. I give you the opportunity to spend time with me and you choose the Netflix. 
God says I've been patient. Yeah. Yeah. You can flip through a channel, but you can't flip through the Bible. God said I've been patient. God says that I, I want you and I need you. One of these days I know you're going to outlive this foolishness, but I want you to know that I'm loving you and I'm taking care of you. Can I, can't, I came to tell you today, somebody, somebody needs to hear today that God is still standing there loving you. God, he's still blessing you and he wants you to know that you are the apple of his eye. Despite how you've been treating him, despite how you've been ignoring him, despite the fact that you won't return his text, despite the fact that you have got him blocked, despite the fact that you don't tell him you love him anymore, you won't answer his calls no more, he still loves you. He told me to come tell you, yeah, that you're still number one on his Snapchat. You still, he'll tweet you if you let him. God says he wants to communicate with you. But you got to let him in. He won't violate your will. He will not do it. But he loves you. And I, I just believe that somebody here today came needing to hear that. God loves you. And let me tell you how much he loves you. You wouldn't take any of his other gifts that he sent you. He sent man after man to tell you how much he loves you. So he decided to send a loving gram to you. And his loving gram came in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And he came and he stayed around here and showed you just how much he loved you for 33 odd years. You saw him. You've seen him. You've heard about him, but you didn't pay enough attention to him. And when you didn't get the full picture of how much he loved you while he was here for 33 years, he paid the ultimate price for you. He died and bled crimson all over you, all over your life. That's how much he loved you. That's a loving gram right there. And he came just for you. I know, I know other people claim that Jesus is their savior. Guess what? There's enough of them to go around. You can claim him as yours too. He's inexhaustible in his ability to love you. And so today is the day. Today is the day, now is the time for you to claim Jesus Christ as your own savior. Accept the gift of love, the ultimate gift of love that came from God our Father. He blessed you with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe that it was sent directly for you. He was sent directly to you. And you can receive the gift of eternal life with him. He loves you. And it's a love you just can't understand. May God bless you and keep you today is my prayer. Accept this gift from him.